This Life Ain't For Everybody racks up more downloads per week than any other podcast combined. Yeah, a thousand million. I go above and beyond on that portion of it. It's not like a get up and do a nine to five. <laughs> it's host, Jed Billing, is a brilliant broadcaster, outdoorsman, entrepreneur, and snake milker. Who would say that? But he's also a billionaire, former president, you know, friggin' whatever. Everything you're about to hear is real. Real people, real experiences, and real bullshit. When you have to shit your pants, do you do it in front of her? Well, I like to do it in the truck and then lock the windows, you know? They want to make sure that remains private. If I knew the guy that succumbed to that, I would rip his ass. <laughs> Boy, that's funny. This was locker room talk. It makes a little bit more sense now. Kinda. Get ready to experience the audio thrill of a lifetime as Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding. Chad Belding. What's going on, everybody? Chad Belding back here with another exciting episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody brought to you by our friends, the one and only Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Today, we got an awesome guest on. He's been here before. He's one of my good friends. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he's been experiencing another Tommy John surgery. He's returning right now this month, September 2023. He's going to start back in the minor leagues. He's going to have a rehab assignment, and then he's going to be back on the bump, back on the mound for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Again, it's my good friend, Walker Bueller. This guy is a flamethrower. Came out of Vanderbilt, one of the best college baseball programs in the country in Nashville, Tennessee. He was a first-round draft pick. He's been up for the Cy Young Award voting. He was up for the Rookie of the Year. He's made the All-Star team. He's won the World Series. When it comes to baseball, I love talking it with Walker Bueller. But that's not all. We talk whiskey. We talk bourbon, what it means to have a real friendship, what it means to communicate. We talk rehab. We talk everything that's gone into his rehab so far with his second, not his first, but his second Tommy John surgery and what it takes to come back from that and how technology and the updated ways that we perform these surgeries in the medical field has improved so much over the last three to four decades that it's not looked down upon anymore to have Tommy John surgery. Back in the day, it almost meant the end of your career. And now I talked to Walker and my mind's blown that he's excited to get back and that there's been several very successful pitchers, some that have just signed very large, very lucrative Major League Baseball contracts. So listening to Walker Buehler talk about something that could have been rock bottom for him, how he's kept his optimism about it. He's worked his butt off and now he gets to get back on the mound and start throwing those heaters again his slider his change up his cutter this guy's got four to five nasty pitches a game we even talk about that when he knows in the bullpen before a game what he's got and what he doesn't for that night and what he's going to try to stay away from i love baseball i love talking about baseball i absolutely love having walker bueller on and they're in the race again for the national league championship in the western division the braves are awesome this year but out west you got the giants and the padres and the rockies but the dodgers are at the top of the NL West again. I'm sure we're going to see them in the playoffs, probably the NLCS again against the Atlanta Braves in the East, and then on to the World Series, and my man Walker will be there ready to roll. So, again, it's This Life Ain't For Everybody, brought to you by our friends at Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. It's Walker Bueller, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I hope you all enjoy this, but before then, we're going to go to a quick commercial break and be right back with my good baseball buddy, Walker Bueller. In an effort to strive for inclusion, Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody, now broadcasting in sign language. Hey, sign language? That's a middle finger! Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding. We'll return in a moment. Bullshit. So just hold your horses, people. Chad Belding! 
Belling. Hey everybody, it's Chad Belling with the Foul Life Podcast. I'm so excited to announce the 2023 Benelli Migration Madness Sweepstakes. From August 1st through October 31st, 2023, go to shoot-on.com. Again, that is shoot-on.com forward slash Benelli Migration Madness for your chance to be entered to win over $15,000 in prizes, including a collection of Benelli Super Black Eagle 3s and 3.5-inch 12-gauge, 3-inch 20-gauge, and the new 28-gauge all decked out in the new Realtree Max 7 camouflage pattern. Also included is a $4,000 online shopping spree from our friends at Banded, Greenhead Gear, and Avery Outdoors, plus three cases of ammo for each of the SBE3s from Federal Premium and a pair of Wing Shooter Alpha Shield hearing protection that are valued at over $1,400 a pair. It's the 2023 Benelli Migration Madness Sweepstakes brought to you by our friends at Banded and Federal Premium Ammunition from August 1st to October 31st. Again, go to shoot-on.com forward slash Benelli Migration Madness to be entered to win that $15,000 in prizes. I'm Chad Belding. Good luck to everybody. Looking for a high-quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years of experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and performance best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a harder soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear's got you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and take your driving experience to the next level. We love Nashville, Music City, USA, Broadway, Lower Broadway, Grand Old Opry, The Ryman, The Bridgestone Arena, The Predators playing, big-time concerts, mid Town, Losers Bar and Grill. There's so many iconic places, but the place that we never miss is Scoreboard Nashville. Music Valley, right across the street from the unbelievable Gaylord Opry Center Resort and Hotel, where the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention is every February. We can't wait for February of 2024 for another successful NWTF seeing all of our friends there. And we always started off with a kickoff party at the Scoreboard Nashville. The hot chicken, the deck, the live music, the cold drinks, the bartenders, the service, the smiles, the store. And now you can find the provider on the menu, the rubs, the new wing sauce, the right wing sauce. Thank you, Scoreboard. Thank you to the Hobbs family. Thank you to Bobby Johnson. Thank you to Megan, the entire crew, the staff. They roll out the red carpet every time they see us, and they roll out the red carpet to every single one of their patrons. So when you're in Nashville the next time, check them out. Go to the Grand Old Opry right across the street, and then end your night with a nice cold beer. Visit the Scoreboard next time you're in Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. Chad Belding is up to bat, and Walker Bueller is bringing the butane as Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody and their exclusive interview with Major League All-Star pitcher Walker Bueller. In Major League Baseball, people don't really understand how freakish athletic some of our guys are. You can kind of get to what we do by being really, really, really strong, or you can just be freak twitchy. You know, I don't think I'm freakishly strong, and I'm definitely not freakishly twitchy, but I think I have a little bit of both. Live freely, drink responsibly, and visit Jack Daniels. Daniels.com for the original Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Now, let's hit the field and listen in as we begin our nine straight innings with Chad Belding and Walker Bueller. Play ball! Are you in Arizona right now? Yeah. So, at this time, you're two weeks out of when you wanted to be back. Will you be in a minor league rehab stint as of September 1st? Uh, yeah, the goal is August 29th. First rehab game. What are the trainers saying? What are the coaches saying? How are you feeling? Everything look good? 
Yeah, my uh, my last one was up to 95, so we're getting there. Dang. So, like, what were you topping out at before? Like, before when? Well, I would say, okay, let's just say in the best you've ever been consistently. Have you been consistently above 95 in your career? Yeah, my rookie year, I think my average fastball is like 97.1. You'd have to fact check me on that, but it was something like that. I mean, I used to throw pretty hard, but I mean, I'm obviously I'm six years older now. You know what I mean? What was it right before the injury? That was like... You want to say hi to average. Walker? This is Jen. You remember her from the oh, San Francisco yeah. game? She's the biggest. You. She's the one that her son you took care of the yeah. other day. Yeah. He loved it. Absolutely. So what? where were you right before the injury? Um, in 2020, my average fastball game fastball is like 94.8. And now you're already above that. But how yeah, do they no, average... No, no, no. How do they average a fastball? Like, I know that's one throw, but do they take every fastball you throw through every inning and then divide it by how many pitches you throw? Or Yep. That makes sense. Let me show you this real quick so I can get it off of me because it's like 95 degrees. So what I do is like I've had, you know, sponsors and our brands and, and yeah. retailers that we've worked with it over the years. And I give these T-shirts, all these T-shirts yeah. I get, I give to this lady and look what she does for me. Yeah, so – Kind of cool story on that. My grandmother, my uncle passed when I was like 12. Yeah. And my grandmother made the three kids that were born. We all have quilts of my uncle's clothes like that. Isn't that cool? It's awesome. Yeah, like like your uncle probably wore maybe an old button-up Western shirt and that stuff that you would remember. But like I got Foul Life there and I got Sportsman's Channel where we first started. But just all the different companies or outfitters that we've worked with. I have a huge one on my bed. I, um, I have pillowcases and now I'm getting a jean jacket made with like cut and sew of like a Guns N' Roses t-shirt cut up and put on the back of it. I'm a huge Axl Rose groupie, you know. You know, I'm not big. I'm going to see Guns N' Roses in two weeks in Nashville. That should be I know pretty they're fun. still rolling around. Oh yeah, they're killing it. So you're, you're 95, you hit the other day. Is there any pain or any like tenderness or anything? Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff in there. I think anybody that has played for a while will tell you that there's going to be some stuff in there but you know coming off the surgery you're still breaking even 12 months i mean you know i'm like a week away from 12 months into this thing and and you still have aches and pains and kind of scar tissue that you're breaking through but i guess i'm kind of more on to the getting it conditioned to pitch in professional games now how does it mentally weigh on you as this is the second time it's happened. How does it, does it sit in the back of your mind all the time? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you'll hear a lot of guys get hurt and then say like, it really humbled me. And, and I don't really know if that's necessarily how I feel, but I think it definitely makes you kind of appreciate where you're at or, or the career you've had up to this point. And, and for me, if you would have said, Hey, the six, one 155 pound kid, you're going to get to play parts of six or seven years in the big leagues. Like I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Right. So now I think it's it's kind of icing on the cake, you know, time for me and, and enjoy as long as I play. But, you know, I, I definitely – my last ligament lasted seven years, and, and I think I'm in a lot better shape. I think my mechanics are getting better, and, you know, I don't see why I couldn't play another seven years. If this can't be answered, um, just tell me. But what does that do financially for you? Does it still give you potential to sign a – a huge deal that you see some of these major league players and pitchers getting or does your agent sit back and go well we got we got to keep into consideration that that people might look at you as being injury prone or whatever how does that work i mean you look at around the league just this past free agency right there was two guys that signed 70 million dollar contracts like we're just saying roughly that both had had two tommy johns right so i think once you get past 
proving that you can be successful again. I think, I don't know if somebody will want to sign me to a 15 year contract. Right. I think the assumption is that, that the elbow won't last that long. Right. But you know, two guys that were older than me that had two Tommy Johns both signed four or five year deals. And, you know, I don't think that's in any way out of the realm. How old are you right now? I just turned 29. Seven more years puts you at 35. Is that old for a pitcher? I know Nolan Ryan's kind of the exception. Many pitchers have yeah. pitched into their late 30s, but yeah, it, I mean, when is I, the prime? I, I think your prime is probably, as a major league starting pitcher, I think your prime is probably 26 to 32, 34. Um, you know, I, I think probably eight or 10 years ago, people would say they want younger, they want younger, they want younger, but then you get you know, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, who both signed the biggest dollar for dollar per year deals in the history of the game at 39 and 41 respectively. Right. So I think people just want performance and, and the way that our game is set up now and how competitive is it is with the new playoff structure and things like that. Like teams are really trying to make an effort. And and if you can go get the veteran guy that can really help you win games or really save your bullpen or, or whatever, there's always value in those guys that have played 15, 16 years in the major leagues. Like they've done it for a reason. Right. And and so I'm not quite mid thirties yet, but I think people are starting to kind of take starting pitchers as they are right. Not as this, well, we hope it doesn't, whatever. It's like, are you good right now? Can you help us win this year? Then, then sign you up. You, you said that you're, so thankful for your career and I know you are and you should be but you're you're touted as a really really strong pitcher in the major leagues are you one of the top pitchers in the major leagues in your opinion do you look at yourself like that do you feel like you can compete with the guys that are in that discussion yeah I mean I I think I have right you know I you kind of are what you've done and and for me like I, I think at least since I've been in the major leagues my playoff kind of numbers are are the thing that are kind of outstanding, I guess, compared to some other guys that are considered the same level maybe that I am. But, you know, I've I've got 200 innings in a season. I've, you know, had a, had a couple big boy seasons and made a couple all-star teams. And I think until you've done that stuff, it's hard to mentally tell yourself that, that that's where you're at. But at the end of the day, like, since my rookie year, like when I'm warming up for a game, there, there's never been a guy across the field that I didn't think that our team with with me on the mound could beat. Right. And so, you know, I don't know if you're a, a five starter in the major leagues and you're facing Max Scherzer, like if you think you can beat him that day, but you know, I've just never felt like I couldn't and, and maybe that's part of it, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I've been pretty successful and feel confident when I have the ball. When you watch some highlight videos, like some of the stuff that you've posted, let's say yesterday, when you see the movement on your pitches, I think he struck out Trout in that first one. I remember looking at it last night. I think it was a – was that Trout? Yeah, that was my rookie year, I think. Where are you now with your arsenal? What what do you think you will still have? Do you think you're going to have to remove anything out of it? Where are you at with that and your pitching coach right now? No, I think everything's going to largely be the same. I don't know if the changeup is going to be something that I throw much this year, but I really didn't throw it much at all anyway, right? It was kind of my last pitch in, in what I do, but – um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about where the game's going analytically, right? Everyone wants to dog on it about, you know, the platooning and all of this weird stuff that we do, but the the data that we have now in terms of how this ball's spinning, how's it moving, what's it, what is it actually doing? I'm seemingly kind of in 
you know, very close to the ballpark that I was when I was fully healthy and, and a lot younger, right? You have this baseline of what you want to be, and it's probably when you were best at whatever you did, right? So for me, the most explosive my stuff was was in 2018-19, and, you know, as of the other day, the, the stuff is kind of acting similar. Now it's just being able to do it for 80, 90, 100 pitches at some point as opposed to 15, 20, 25, right? But, you know, I, I trust our strength and our strength staff and our – medical staff and, and stuff like that to kind of get me in the the place where I can physically do that, you know, just the same as I could before. Is the rest of your arm feel good? Is the rest of your body, your torso, your core, your legs, are you feeling strong and healthy in all areas in that yeah. aspect? Yeah. I mean, I, you saw me a few months ago in person. I'm, I'm probably 15 pounds heavier than, than when you and I met. So, you know, I, I think this year has been good for me in, in that way. You know, I've never been more than probably 186 pounds on a major league mound and and I'm like 198 199 pounds now so I think that's been good and I'm starting to kind of do some things to take care of my body a little bit better and yeah you're just trying to take advantage of this 12 months that you don't have to really worry about competing actively right you're thinking about it watching games doing all that kind of stuff and and trying to get better but you also got some room where you're not actively trying to go and win a game every five days that you can take a little bit longer view in terms of how you lift and how you progress strength-wise and, and medically, I guess. So 198 pounds, the heaviest you've ever been on a major league mound. Do you owe that to – talk to me, like, how you've done it. Is it is it weight training? Is it nutrition and a lot of red meat and a lot of protein and a lot of calories? Are you stuffing yourself with carbs and, and sugars and stuff? Are you being really keen in what you eat? How have you put on that? And is your body fat stayed about the same? Are you still lean? I know you are. You look lean. But when I saw you in spring training, you were very lean when I smoked you on the basketball court. <laughs> Actually, we were on the same team and that was fun. Um, but how, 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 how have you done it? No, I, you know what I think is interesting since when I was little, not little, when I was in high school and college, eating enough food was always kind of the, the big thing for me. I've, I've had a thyroid issue kind of my whole life and gaining weight, keeping weight on has always been a difficult thing for me. And I, I think what I've learned is that how I've, when I've gotten older, I've learned how to really eat a little bit better and eat things that seem to make me feel good, seem to help me put on the weight. And I think when you have time, right, when you're on the road all the time and flying and traveling, like it weighs on you and it, it makes it hard to eat great all the time. But, you know, I think being in one place for shit, it's going to be six, seven months now. Like I know the places I want to eat. I, you know, I know the good things that I want to eat. Obviously been eating a lot of the beef that you've sent me that, that has been big time. Um, but no, I, it's just, I, I've gotten older and I've learned how to eat more. And, and I think being stationary while eating more, this is the first time I've kind of been in one spot for more than, you know, 10 days at a time for six years during the season. Right. So I think all of those kind of combined, I just shot up and, and, you know, I, I probably gained a little body fat, which is probably good for me. I'm probably around 10% body fat now where my rookie year, I was probably about six. So. Damn. That's like a wrestler. So it's all routine. It's, mm -hmm. it's routine and being consistent is what's let you put on this much mass muscle and kept yep. your lean tissue. Yep. Because once you get out of that routine, like me, I go on the road and it's, you make mistakes, your habits change. You'll go into a convenience store and you want to eat as healthy as possible. And you're like, all right, well, I'll 
get a cliff bar that's still got sugar in it, and I'll get a banana and then your buddy's eating two slices of Casey's breakfast pizza and you're like right. shit like it's hard but when you get in a routine and you know the restaurants you get to know the the crew and the the staff that works there you might even get to know the chefs and then right. you and your wife are able to throw down at the house enough to where you become consistent with it yeah I think I think in general the past year I probably eat a little bit more red meat than than I have in the past just because I can sit down and do it I, I think you know, having a steak is probably traditionally seen as, I don't want to say the most time consuming thing, because when you do it at home, it's really no different than cooking a piece of chicken, right? But, you know, going and getting a steak is something that you have, that takes time, right? And when you play at seven o'clock and you're out of the stadium at 11, you're not going to a steakhouse, right? So, you know, maybe the, those two days a week that I go and eat like that, as opposed to, you know, grabbing something on the way out of the stadium, I think is super beneficial. And then you stack that up for six months, right? How many extra good calories or good protein or, or whatever you want to talk about have you stacked up, right? How important is the overall, like, I don't assume like you can go in and push a lot of weight. You don't need to do that to be an, a, an awesome major league pitcher. What, what do they define strength on in pitching? Is it your squats, your explosiveness, uh, your ass, your glutamus maximus, your quads, your core, like how, like you can't go in and bench, bench press 350 pounds, nor do you need to. No, um, the bench press is something that's kind of irrelevant for us. Honestly, the bench press is more about being able to be stable, right? And shoulder stability more than your pure, like chest strength, right? That's kind of the last, last item on the totem pole of what we do but you know our, our leg stuff is definitely a huge part of at one point i was like a 455 pound squatter at a wait when five pounds in the pros or at vandy in the pros so you're like 175 pounds squatting with a with a deep at least a parallel deep squat at a 400 and what pounds i my pr was 455 for two that's unheard of right at that body weight I mean, I think it's pretty good. I, I would tell you we have in Major League Baseball, people don't really understand how freakish athletic some of our guys are and then how you can kind of get to what we do by being really, really, really strong and being able to leverage the baseball or you can just be freak twitchy. And I, I've kind of luckily had a little bit of both. You know, I don't think I'm freakishly strong and I'm definitely not freakishly twitchy, but I think I have a little bit of both. And the squat is the one thing that I've kind of never changed. It's always been a part of my routine and, and what I do to make myself feel good on the mound. And, you know, you get little gains here and there and increment incrementally year by year, you get stronger and, and you end up with that. But uh, we've kind of capped that down a little bit. I, you know, I'll probably during the season, I'll probably squat 315 every five days would probably be the minimum that I'll, I'll lift in between starts. 315 for that's what you're going to lift in like three or four sets or you're saying that'll be kind of a yeah so the way that i lift and i don't know really why or how i got to this i do a set of five four three and two on the day that the day after i pitch and so i'll i'll typically go you know 255 for five 285 for four 315 for three and then kind of see if i want to push and, and we kind of will monitor and make sure i'm doing it at a certain speed right so if that set of three isn't over 0.6 meters per second, then I won't go up anymore. I'll just do this set of two. But if I'm doing it at 0.7, then we may push and go 355 and see what what I can get out of it that day. And and it'll just kind of ebb and flow during the season. But yeah, it's definitely a, a big part of, of what I do. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily physically, right? You, you train all off season and you create this general 
strength, right? And this general conditioning of your body in the season kind of puts more of that on you, takes more of it off of you, ebbs and flows, right? But doing that kind of touch it set. So five, four, three, two is not that many reps. It's just not 14 reps, but that has generally helped me maintain whatever, whatever strength I have. When you start looking at a, what you would traditionally call a rehab stint, Mm -hmm. what constitutes a stint? Um, Do you go, how far down will you go? Will you stay in double A, then triple A? Do you go all the way back to A? How does that work in the Dodgers organization? And what is a stint? Do you, is it going to be one game of of watching your pitch count at 40, then maybe a couple getting it up to 80, and then boom, you're right back in the show, depending on how you're feeling? So right now I'm in what's called live BPs, where you're facing guys in a a non-game situation, but you are facing hitters, right? And the advantage of those is you can be extremely controlled. There's no national anthem there's nobody running on the field there's no you know guys stealing bases or guys ambushing right you can really kind of control these things and at the beginning of this process that's super important right you want to monitor your workload and the timing and making sure that you get out there and you're perfectly warm right so we'll do that four or five times three or four times probably and then i'll probably throw a game here in the arizona league which is like the lowest level american minor leagues um because you can control that somewhat um, and then I'll probably go to AAA for two or three outings, I would say three. And you're just kind of building into that five-day routine, building into pitch count, making sure that your you're warm-up, you have the timing right, you have your pregame stuff right. There's a, a lot that kind of goes into it. You know, they talk about how superstitious all of us are and the routines that we have, right? And, and those aren't just kind of thrown together. They're not like a piece of paper that a coach will hand you and say, this is what you need to do. They're kind of molded over time and and figure out what makes me feel good and most consistently and and taking 12 months off you kind of got to figure that stuff out again so you know what time i go out to play catch when when i step on the mound how many i throw of this pitch and that pitch and and whatever and those kind of rehab outings or rehab stints are really where you can work those out while trying to perform and, and compete to then get ready to go and and compete at the highest level. All right, everybody, we're hanging out with my good buddy and Major League Baseball pitcher Walker Bueller from the Los Angeles Dodgers right here on another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. And while we pour a few more fingers at Jack Daniels, here's a brief word from our sponsors. There's more Walker Bueller to come, so please stick around. Base is loaded, two gone, and a one-two pitch. He struck him out. This life ain't for everybody. So back to the shower, like the undercarriage part of it, are you a pull the ball sack up and you really get in there? That was just a jack talking. This life ain't for everybody. It feels good. It's cool. Oh, God, it felt good. Yeah. With Chad Belding. We travel a lot. We're up and down America's highways, byways, thoroughways, cornfields, dirt roads, back roads, country roads. Love seeing that dust in our rear view. Love looking over and seeing the sun set, the sun rise. Mallard ducks pitching in to a pond in Kansas. A coyote howling in Wyoming. An antelope standing on the side of the road in Nevada. We get to do this all through Ford trucks. Corning Ford, Paul. Francis, the entire crew, the customer service, the service department, the selection, the dedication to excellence and quality, the number one Ford Super Duty dealer in the West United States five years in a row. They're in the top 10 in the country and they're in a little tiny town, Corning, California. 5,000 people deep maybe, but the construction, the farming, the ranching, the almonds, the walnuts, the olives, the duck hunting, the fishing, the deer hunting and turkey hunting, predator hunting, you name it. 
Corning Ford is part of it. They support our lifestyle, their pricing. They refuse to mark them up. Give them a try. They'll deliver your truck anywhere in the country. They've delivered them to Alaska, Florida, so many to Nevada, so many to Northern California, all over Arizona and Colorado. They've delivered three to Tennessee. They delivered one to Minnesota to our friend Andrew at Wild Acre Kennels. It's Corning Ford. They support the outdoors, and there's nothing better than a Ford truck. These 2023 Ford Super Duties, F-250s, F-350s, the long bed, the short bed, the tremor package. Watch your speed. Set that cruise control because sometimes you'll look down and be like, I'm not going that fast. Something's got to be broken. And you're pulling a trailer, and you got a leer topper on the back of it. The bed of your truck is full. They're meant for hauling. They're meant for towing. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Paul. There's nowhere better in the country to buy your next Ford vehicle or Ford Super Duty truck than Corning Ford. Thank you all for supporting them. It's the seventh inning stretch on Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding and Major League Baseball pitcher and special guest Walker Bueller. Let's rejoin Chad and Walker and listen in for the final sweep that's brought to you in part by Jack Links, Resist All Hats, Oakley, and Mickey Thompson Tires. Hey everybody, thanks for keeping it tuned to This Life Ain't For Everybody as we are joined by Walker Bueller. <clears throat> when you're competing at that level with your mindset of going back down to the minor leagues for a rehab stint, what does it do to a guy like you that has already been a 200-inning guy, the strikeout guy, the all-star guy, the Cy Young talks? How does that factor into your psyche of are you out there to get – you're getting a job done. You're seeing how the ball's moving. You're seeing how it's coming out of your hand. You're seeing how your body feels. Um, how much does it play in your mind that you don't want any of these minor leaguer, quote unquote, to touch your stuff? How does that How does that play out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally if you ask a guy who is healthy and, and whatever, hey, we, we just sent you down, what's your psyche in this AAA game, right? It might be a little bit depressed isn't the right word, but, you know, to get the adrenaline and the – all that stuff going on probably isn't going to be as high level or hyped up in your head, but coming off of not playing for 12 months, I think I could pitch against you and get, and get excited. You know what I mean? You just haven't done it. So I think that's why the rehab situation works and, and it's something that's kind of tried and true and, and done everywhere, right? Is that there's this, all right, I can be really hyped up in the major leagues, but my body might not be ready for that, right? But mentally, I'm excited to be there, and I'm this anxiety level and this adrenaline, and you can kind of build them up and and hopefully get to the end where where you're back in the big leagues. Is the adult the I guess the stories you hear of big when a big timer goes down to the minor leagues for stint? Do you go down there and and buy the dinners and wine and dine the guys and give them a fill of the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was that was done when I was coming up through the minor leagues, right? And and so that's something that I will for sure do. I, you know, I. If I have three outings in AAA, I, I assume they're probably going to eat pretty good three nights. So it's just part of kind of the game. And I don't want to say giving back to the game. It just sounds like cheesy to me. But, you know, when I was in AAA trying to get to the big leagues, we had guys come down and rehab. And, you know, it's some. I think that tradition kind of comes from, you know, a guy comes down, say it's an outfielder, right? And say we have three outfielders that are trying to get to the big leagues that big leaguer that's hurt is taking at bats from that guy. Right. And, you know, when I go there, I'm going to be taking innings away from a guy that could be throwing and that could be the inning he breaks out. Right. So I think that buying everyone a steak dinner, thanks for letting me be here kind of thing is where that all kind of originates from. And, you know, if you don't do, I think it's kind of a faux pas not to do, but I know definitely some guys do it better than others. And, 
So I got to start scouting restaurants and, and catering in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I want to go back real quick to what you said, Walker. You, you're pitching in a controlled environment right now called Live BP. Are they swinging off of you or is that a no? So what level the guys are, 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 are sparring off with you? I look at this as like a sparring partner getting ready for yeah. a boxing match. Yeah, I mean, all, all three guys that I faced two days ago now have all played in the big leagues this year. They just happen to be rehabbing or hurt or kind of, you know, they're in the same situation I am, right? They're trying to get back up to, to game speed so that they can go on rehab and so I've got some got some looks. I've got you know, Colton Wong is with us and and is here. So I faced him and Jake Marisnik and Johnny DeLuca. So kind of three good looks and, and guys that kind of know what it looks like when a when a major league starting pitcher is throwing right. And that's what you're looking for is is people you can get a true kind of judge of where you're at, but also who can give you feedback. Right. I, I think that's a huge part of being a good teammate is is those guys being able to say like, Hey, I saw this and I saw that and, and whatever. What has the feedback been with these three you just named? Um, it, it was all good. I was pretty erratic two days ago. My first live, I was pretty locked in and the ball was going kind of where I wanted, but you know, in this process, you kind of learn, you can feel good. You can, everything can be going good. And it just doesn't, you just don't have the reps where it's kind of undeniable, I guess. So you know, you, you've probably heard the old adage, like, a kid practices it till they get it right and, and pros practice till they can't get it wrong. Right. And where I'm at kind of in this process, like you're still trying to find that, like generally everything goes right when I feel right and having a new ligament, it doesn't really know its job quite yet. So what are you loving about baseball this year? Do you like the new rules that we discussed before and we talked about so much going into spring training? Is the pitch clock, has it been touted as something that is good for baseball? What What are you liking in that aspect, Walker Buehler? And what what do you like watching right now? Do you like Otani? Do you think like this guy's a quote-unquote freak, starting pitcher, hitting bombs, stealing bases, moving runners over, scoring runs, RBI guy? Um, what are you liking in the game right now? I, I, I consider you like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are you a baseball guy? Do you watch baseball when you're not doing the simulated BP or the, the live yeah. BP or uh, anything? Are you a baseball guy? Yeah, I'll watch. I check more in on starting pitchers just because there's kind of that fraternity i guess or whatever um i watch most of our games and i will say this has probably been the best year i could have ever been hurt just because we do have these new rules and the games are a lot shorter and tighter and i you know i think it's been great i know the feedback has been um that it's a lot simpler to get through this timing thing as maybe we thought it was going to be i think it's not quite as impactful on the player as we thought it might be but obviously game times are down like 30 percent and uh, attendance is up like 9% across the league. So, you know, I, I think the whole baseball is dead narrative is, is kind of died itself. So, you know, I think it's been great. I, I'm very curious to see if anything changes for the playoffs just because of the the magnitude of what those pitches mean and, and all the implications kind of. But I also would say, you know, if game times are down 30 minutes, like you've got a little wiggle room to add three or four seconds on the – on the pitch clock for the playoffs, right? Has anything shocked you in the game this year? There's been a couple no-nos. Mm-hmm. Um, the home run chase is, is anything kind of making you walk, take a second look at anything going on as far as position players go? No, I mean, Matt Olson's obviously having a huge year in Atlanta. That whole team is hitting, I mean, they have like, they're going to break the home run record and, and whatever. But I think, you know, having, we've played them a lot over the past years, especially in the playoffs. And, and you just have seen how much talent they have. 
they're a fun team to watch just offensively, I think. You know, they've got Strider and, and a couple other young guys that are throwing the ball really well, as, as well as Charlie Morton. So, you know, they're having a really, really good year. And, you know, a couple teams that, that kind of sold at the deadline that spent really big, right? New York was one of those. But, you know, I, I think in general, them going and giving it a go and then, listen, you've got three months of, of what has happened, right? And, and they kind of reverse course, like, you know, I think in general that they're going out and getting good players is, is really good for the game. So, you know, I don't think I've seen anything that's super, super negative. I have been surprised. There's been a lot of complete game shutouts this year, which was something that I didn't do for a long time in my career and finally did it in kind of my worst year. But um, I don't know if the pitch clock is having something to do with that in terms of guys getting in rhythm a little bit better. But I, I have been pretty surprised at how many, you know, complete game shutouts there have been. Do you um... – you guys are nine games up in the National League West. What are your feelings on the NL West? Did San Diego not perform the way you thought they did? Are the Giants surprising you? And nine games ahead at this point in mid-August, you got to still win some games to clinch, but the attitude's got to be that you guys are going to be NL West champions again. Who do you not want to play in the first round of the playoffs if you're the Dodgers? Who, who does the, do the Braves scare you? You don't want to get them in the first round in the National League East. Who's the wild card team going to be in your opinion at this point in mid-August, Walker? And and yeah, like I, like I said, who don't you want to play in that very first round going into the playoffs? Or does it matter who you play first? No, I mean at the end of the day, if you're going to win the World Series, like you're going to have to beat a couple really really good teams. And you know, obviously, any team that has a deep rotation is something that's a little can get a little scary in the playoffs as well as a, a really deep lineup. I, I think, you know, there's a bunch of teams out there. I haven't really looked at the standings to see where it would line up if everything ended today. I, I know a lot of the the pundits will do that, like, oh, this matchup and that matchup, right? But, you know, until the, the kind of final outs made, nobody really knows. And, you know, I think especially with our team just having this run of, of being in the playoffs and playing in big games for a long time, I, I think we kind of know – you're going to have to go beat good teams and, and show that you deserve everything that, that you got coming, I guess. But, you know, I haven't been around the team a whole lot this year, but from afar, it seems like our guys really enjoy being around each other and, and playing together. And I think that's a huge thing going forward. When you talk about teams and that unity and that, that feeling that you can win, do you feel sorry as a man and as a competitor and as a major leaguer, do you ever feel sorry for guys that are on the A's and I'm not making fun of the A's, but it's sad. Like you go into this stadium in Oakland and there's 3000 people in the stands and you got Ricky Henderson field. And do you feel bad for those guys? Cause that could easily be you. I mean, you're on the Dodgers and you got great ownership and uh, it's awesome that you do and congrats, but do you ever, do you have compassion for those athletes that are having to face that on a daily and nightly basis? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think feel sorry for is the right word in, in okay. any form. Right. I, I mean, most of the like great memories that I would ever tell my kids about it involved the playoffs, right. Or that we played in front of 45,000 every night and, you know, playing in LA is a special place, but there's a lot of special places that have big fan support and have been really successful for however many years. And, you know, then there's some other places that, that haven't been. And, and so, you know, I'm never going to say, I feel sorry for a guy that gets to, to wear a magenta or a Nike uniform now, but a, a big league uniform and, and go out and play baseball for money. Right. Make but, a good point. You know, I think there are definitely guys on, on certain teams that you kind of will look back that, you know, maybe guys that are older that, that retire and you're like, man, that guy never really got a chance to play on a, on a big boy team. Right. Like I, I don't think in any 
one point in time, you feel bad for the entire Oakland athletics. Right. But, you know, a guy like Craig Stammen kind of got his run last year with San Diego and he's been on some good teams before, but like pros pro that you kind of wish he would have been a part of a run with us or something like that. Right. Like there's just certain guys that, that are not on the right team at the right time. How does your outlook in your opinion look right now? Tell the audience, if you would Walker about where are you at in your contract? What are the discussions like with your agent? How does that work coming off your second Tommy John? Um, Do you have one year left on your contract with the Dodgers? Through this year and then one more year after this. So how does that work now? You're coming off. You're going to get a, maybe a few innings in the big leagues this year. Yeah. You're going to report to spring training healthy as an ox. You're going to win this Cy Young next year. I know you have a great friendship with the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Um, the ownership loves you. How could they not? But where do we lie right now in the future of Walker Bueller coming off of his second Tommy John? Um, you know, I, I think weirdly – being hurt and, and going through 12 month rehab, right? You kind of put a pause on really like, I don't want to say worrying about that. You know, obviously we were all very fortunate to play and, and especially play X amount of years, right? But I think it kind of goes on the back burner. You want to be able to come in healthy and perform and, and be, you know, who you kind of think you are, who you kind of believe you can be, right? And, and you do that on the assumption that all that other stuff will take care of itself. I mean, I don't think 12, 13, 14 years ago, I, I would say anything other than like, I would just like to play as long as I could, right? And now it's about trying to get back and, and being able to play. Obviously, having played in Los Angeles, it's, it's a place that I really enjoy playing and our fan base is incredible. And, um, you know, we've been really successful. So, you know, I think the preference is to kind of stay there and, and having watched Clayton play his whole career there has been really, really cool for me. Um, but at the end of the day, like this whole, the whole system is, is set up for you to get to that one place and, and make a choice. And, you know, you never know. We, we could never get there. We could get, who knows? But um, as of right now, like, I don't think I would want to play anywhere else than, than LA. If you had to, playing in LA and you had to go to an American League team, would the Yankees be your first choice just because Hollywood, Times Square, L.A., New York, the history, the heritage, the culture. Is that yeah, your first American League choice to play in is, is Yankee pinstripes? I don't know. I, I think the kind of East Coast, West Coast thing is is different. I don't. Are we talking about rap or baseball? Well, I think it's both, right? It's all. all <laughs> it was the best. No, you know, I've really grown to kind of love L.A. and, and love living there. And um, yeah, I don't know what I would I would do. I, I guess I really haven't thought about it. And we all have kind of our lists or your childhood teams that you liked growing up but i I was a big reds fan so um not an american league team i don't know they're they're doing some really good stuff in dallas right now with the rangers you know a couple buddies over there and you know i think new york would be a a great place to play as well i I think i'm not a free shit so it's hard to kind of make those decisions i think the other funny thing is we all kind of talk about the free agency thing is like every team makes you an offer and you pick one right sometimes talking to guys that have gone through it, sometimes you kind of go where they want you on the team. So you're saying that free agency isn't like that. You don't just wake up and have an offer from every team. And a lot of it has to do with the team you're on right now. Well, the team you're on right now and and what teams are in a certain position to come after a a player in in your position too, right? If if you're Garrett Cole, I I bet they probably weren't talking to the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, I just, I, I don't think they thought they would have a chance to land Garrett Cole, right? So but if you're a 
a middle infielder, you're looking for a team that needs a middle infielder. I don't think it's just this dream scenario where you call up and you say, hey, here's what I'm worth and, and you need to pay it to me. And the team's not just going to go, yeah, okay. You know? Explain to me what I what you talked about. First off, are you a co-host on Just Baseball Show now? Once a week, I do, yeah. Once a week, Walker's a co-host. of the. It's a podcast called Just yep. Baseball Show. Talk to me about what you were talking about with Fernando Valenzuela and this rookie pitcher of the year. Um, and that was based on his rookie season. Yeah. What was the gist of that? Because I don't think that I got everything out of the okay. clip that they played. But okay, what was the gist watch, of the... You got to go watch the show. But I will yeah. explain to you. Yeah, I need to watch this episode for sure. Okay, so basically what I was saying is, you know, for every major league baseball player, whether you're, if you're a pitcher, there's a Cy Young. You can also win the MVP, but it's rare. Clayton has done it. But most of the time your MVP is going to be a position player, right? And so my argument was if there's a Cy Young and an MVP, we should have a rookie of the year hitter and a rookie of the year pitcher. And Fernando having had probably the best rookie season ever and being an LA guy, my thought is that it should be called the Fernando Valenzuela Award. So it would be given to the best rookie pitcher in each league that year. I like it. I mean, how do you get this in front of the commissioner? I don't know. We'll have to work on that one. I, you know, I think but the point I kind of made on there was I came in third in the rookie of the year, and I was behind Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto, right? Both position players, and, and a lot of these awards, awards are, are based on accumulating war, right? And it's just done differently for pitchers and hitters, and, and typically – being a pitcher, your war, the ceiling on how much war you can produce is a little bit lower, right? So the idea of separating them or having some secondary award where here are your best hitters and here are your best pitchers and, and we can go from there, I think is kind of more representative of like what's actually happening on the field. And and I got a little flack on that saying like, oh, all you guys want another another plaque, but like no, if you're the best starting pitcher in your class of guys that get to the major leagues, whether you're 34 or 24, like that's an accomplishment, right? And and I think that rookie pitcher of the year is kind of the one thing that we don't really acknowledge or or kind of do anything like that for. What constitute a rookie season as a pitcher? Um, I forget. I think it's below 50 innings you have to have on opening day but I could be completely wrong on that. I know there's a couple ways to become not a rookie, right? You can have a certain amount of days in the major leagues or more than 50 innings, I think is what the, the kind of barrier is. Walker, last year at when the injury happens, you are invited to be a guest commentator on national TV for the playoff run, World Series. You're dressed to the nails. You sound good. You understand the game. You also are on the, the Just Baseball podcast, the show. Is it safe to assume that when you do hang him up in a decade that you will be working in that part of the game? Um, do you like the idea of getting dressed up and doing your hair and being on camera? Do you like the idea of radio and microphone? Are you? I know you're comfortable with it, but do you see a career after baseball in that like so many of the greats have done? I don't know. I, I think there's a, there's a level of player you have to be to do that, first and foremost. I think, secondly, I hate the way that my voice sounds on camera, so... I think that would be kind of difficult for me to do night after How do you night. think it sounds? Uh, it's, a, it's just not how I hear it in my head. I think we all have that, but uh, it's a little higher than I think it is. It's a little nasalier than I think it is. Um, you know, I'd like to feel like I have this perfect, deep radio voice, and I just don't. <laughs> um, but it's I don't think of, a lot of them do. 
No, but I think it's kind of out there enough now. It's not like I can fix it and come back and people wouldn't notice, right? But no, I, you know, I think I, I love I love the game and and I kind of love talking through it. I don't know if that comes out in in terms of coaching or or coaching kids, coaching college, coaching in professional baseball, and or just kind of being involved with it. And, and hopefully, I have a couple kids running around that that want to play. So I don't really know. I, I don't know if I ever saw myself as doing that kind of stuff necessarily more because I just that's for Hall of Famers right you look at kind of the group that I was around in in that time it was Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer and I guess that's what I was kind of saying a certain level of player but you know I think having done it and having done it kind of I don't want to say my own way but you know I I think a lot of the stuff that I do is stuff that I've kind of figured out on my own in in some respects as well as having some of the best coaches in baseball I think that perspective is is something that has helped me in my career and and maybe I'll try and share it somehow, you know, down the road. If not baseball, give me two to three more topics. And I think I see one behind you there. Um, (laughs) What would your podcast be on? If you had a Walker Bueller podcast, what would it be everyday life or would there be specifics in this podcast format? Yeah. I mean, the, the bourbon thing has become part of our, that just baseball podcast. I don't know. Hopefully you'll check it out, but we do do like a bourbon tasting of, of a different kind every week and kind of talk through them quick and, more to try and get the co-hosts that I do it with kind of intro to bourbon. But, you know, I don't know. I I think some of the most interesting stuff to me is just kind of more or less what you do in terms of what's the lifestyle, like what's, what's the differences in, in super successful people. And, you know, having talked with some of our mutual buddies, Chase Rice and and some of these guys, like, tell me what that life is like. Right. And and I think that's an extremely interesting topic for me and, and hopefully would be for other people, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to get back playing and, and not have so much time to to think about doing all this other shit. Yeah, I, I see a, a long career coming, um, like strong years. I'm praying for you. We how do you do? How do you do? Chad going. Yeah. How do you do a bourbon tasting on Zoom? Do you have to format this and schedule it to where your co-hosts go out and get the same bottle you have? Yeah, so we actually, I mean, I know you're a big Jack Daniels guy, and we've had a long-standing argument over this where I'm a Buffalo Trace guy, but uh, no, our buddies at Buffalo Trace sent us like a matching box, right? At the, the first couple episodes, we were going out and being like, hey, see if you can find this. And so we, we would kind of deal with it all week, but luckily we got kind of the the Buffalo Trace box, and, and we all have kind of similar stuff and, you know, talk through what they like, what they don't like, what, you know, why I like certain things, and um, it's kind of a fun little little start to the show. So as you're in your rehab stint right now, do you relax with a bourbon on the rocks or neat a couple times a week every night? Like, how do you do that as a professional athlete when you have to be mind and physical on your A game as you go into this rehab stint? Do you have to stop at 100% at some point or can you control it to where one and one here and there doesn't matter when you're when you're trying to get back into the big leagues? No, I mean I think any medical professional would tell you that you should be stone cold sober for 12 months, right? But I, I think being from Lexington, Kentucky and and being me, I, I just don't think that's a reality. So, yeah, you know, I'll have a I'll have a few bourbons throughout the week, maybe a lot of the week and and kind of <laughs> wake up and get myself back together and and go and work. Right. But, but that's what I think I've kind of done in my career is figure out a way to get my head in a place that I want to go work and and go improve. And and sometimes that, that starts with a little morning self-loathing, you know, when you talk about Kershaw, who's always been a mentor of yours and a good friend, does he drink or are you allowed to say, 
I would say very lightly. Very lightly. So does that ever weigh on your brain of like, if maybe if I need to get to an all-star or a, you've already done that, but an MVP level, he's probably a future hall of famer with his Cy Youngs. Probably is not the right word. Yeah, um, he's already, yeah, he's a walking statue. I call it. How does that mark for you? Like, do you say, well, maybe I should follow his lead on that? Or do you just have your own path? You know, I think at some point the difference between this is going to sound really weird. The difference between the worst guy in the major leagues and the best guy in the major leagues is a lot. That kind of collection is a lot tighter than it is the guy that stopped after high school to the worst guy in the major leagues. Right. So for me, it's kind of, you know, go to the dance with the girl you brought or something like that. Right. Dance dance with the one who brought you. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of, this is my personality and this is kind of who I've always been, but uh, yeah, you try and modify it and, and live, you know, whatever life works, works better for you for, to go and perform. And, and I think that's a, it's a big part of, of year by year kind of improving and, and trying to figure out what kind of works best for you. What is your personality Walker? Are you a, are you a rock and roll big time country music energy? Gotta be at the music festival dancing up and down. You like camaraderie, you like people around, you like backyard barbecues. Would you rather have a bunch of buddies around a lot of the time with you and your wife hanging and cooking steaks? Or do you like that Netflix and chill kind of attitude? Or is it a mixture? I'm kind of a mixture guy. Sometimes I want to have everyone over and then I want to snap my fingers and they all leave, right? Like I'm kind of the in-between that way. My wife will tell you that I kind of want to do too much sometimes. I want to go and, and do that with the buddies and then go play golf and then do this at night and go to dinner and, and do all of that. And, you know, occasionally she'll let me kind of run free and drag her along with me. But, you know, my wife's now four months pregnant. So I think all of that may have to slow down here here in a few months. So where where do you go from here right now? You're going to have dinner tonight. You're going to wake up tomorrow. And what does Thursday hold for you for your day? I'll probably be at the field about 830. I'll go to this little, I do the cold plunge and sauna stuff in the mornings now. So I go to a little place in Phoenix and do that around seven, get to the field around 830 or nine. I'll lift, throw, get treatment, be home around one. And then it's kind of hang out. When is the next live BP? I got a little live BP on Friday. Let's do a FaceTime live where you put an Instagram live or something out there where we can see what's going on, hear that catcher's glove popping. Yeah, possibly. I, you know, I've, put, I've tried to put out some videos and, and put it out there for, for people that want to see it, but we'll get you some videos. What about this Oliver dude on uh, that's blowing up right now with the, the Richman, North of Richmond song? Crazy, what is it's that nuts or what? You can find talent kind of all over the place, right? Song yeah. is cool though, ain't it? I know that that's kind of how I felt when I came and hunted with you and Corey was doing his songs and stuff. And now I've, I've fallen pretty tight on Spotify. Yeah. It's crazy. Are you, did you get into the try that in a small town debate with Al Dean? Did you get into that song or you, are you driving? I heard it kind of well, well after that, I kind of tried to stay out of it and then heard it. And I guess there's two sides to every, everything, but I think without sitting down and reading the lyrics to me, it sounds pretty similar to to most country songs but yeah and i think the problem existed or lied with the video the footage that was in the video right i just i'm one of those people too where you know i can kind of like what i like or want what i want or or grow up how i grew up but like i can also understand how you know i'm not one of those people that really gets on anyone for being offended right like if something offends you and you vocalize it like 
that's your prerogative. There's things that people do that offend me, but I'm kind of one of the keep it to yourself kind of people or avoid stuff that I don't like, right? I'm not going to dive headfirst into something that is offensive to me and kind of try and blow it up, right? I, I think for me, the whole patriotic or kind of conservative way to look at things is like you kind of live live your life and, and figure that out. And to me, that means you have to respect other people's kind of opinions and freedoms as well. So uh, kind of on whoever, whoever and however they want to handle whatever they got in their life, because because I think that's how I want to live mine and and be able to kind of be who I want to be without hurting other people. I, I think you're kind of free to do whatever you need to do. Yeah, I agree. That's what our country's built on. It would be nice if we were unified a little bit more, though. I wish that we could get along more. And it's it's right. pretty crazy with how divided we are right now. But I do agree with you, you know, as a conservative man, I want to respect other people's opinions and not interrupt them and give them a chance right. to talk. And there's things I disagree with and there's things I agree with. And I don't want to be too staunch and standing on a soapbox ever and touting my opinion all over the, the courtyard. It just, right. I don't need that. So right. what, I don't, what I don't like is the, is the idea of being a conservative man to me, like being a man and growing up is understanding that you can learn shit, right? Like yeah. you can learn different things. And it, you know, I have a tough time sometimes with people saying like, well, this is just how I grew up. It's like, well, you know, people grew up in the 1800s way different without iPhones too. And you learned how to do that. So it's just an interesting kind of, blend of being somewhat conservative and and being a man and people proclaiming I'm a conservative male without having the capacity to like learn, right? Exactly. Or do anything different or alter the way they want to represent themselves to kind of be who you are without trampling on other shit, I think. I agree 100%. It's a maturity thing. We get better. We learn every day. You're only 29. I'm 48. So I'm probably a little bit more set in my ways, but I am ready to come down and stand in on some live BP. As right. long as you don't, as long as you don't hit me, I'm a lefty. I can, my misses are high arm side, but you're pretty safe over there. <laughs> it's Walker Bueller. I can't wait to see you back in the big leagues, buddy. Keep it up. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys later on. All right. Give me one sec, Walker. I'm going to sign off. This life ain't for everybody. Brought to you again by the one and only Tennessee sour mash whiskey. Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. The single barrel program. Please look into it. The selection of single barrels, the new single barrel rye coming out. We are huge fans of the single barrel. I'm getting ready to send a bottle the day after tomorrow to Walker's address so he can try our new Foul Life Edition single barrel rye. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions, the downloads, the listens right here at our family of podcasts. This life ain't for everybody. Make sure that you tell your friends and family about it and make sure you watch the Dodgers win the NL West coming up here soon. For Walker Bueller, I'm Chad Belding. In the meantime, listen to this song right here, What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone by my man, Leith Lofton. Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Material things you gotta leave behind. Here's a little something in case you didn't know. You can't buy love with silver or gold. If you got a roof up over your head Belly full of food and a nice warm bed You are blessed, I know, indeed It ain't what you want, it's having what you need I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do? When the money's all gone Yeah, but now
all equal, that's what I think I don't believe heaven has a bank Make good use of your time on earth And don't make a dollar bill all this world Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone?